Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Living with Emuna. Our last Living with Emuna for a little while, because after today we're going on break till the end of August. So, is this the last class? it's the last class till the end of August. So, pay attention to the WhatsApp group. We'll post some bonus material. You can catch up on a couple hundred of the previous shiurim, and uh, you can find many other amazing, better people to listen to over these few weeks that we are trying to re-energize and rejuvenate. Our Emuna series is generously sponsored by Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan. So grateful to the generous sponsorship of the entire year in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer, and also sponsored in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbard, Baruch Tzvi, Ben Ruvein Nassan. Today is his year at sight, and uh, we remember him, and we continue to learn from him. He was a uh, paradigm and a model of living with Amuna. His whole life was one example of living with Amuna, not only when things went well, not only when his life was filled with bracha the way we would define it, but even when he suffered, and even in his end, he never stopped living with Emunah till his final breath, and uh, was and is an inspiration to all of us. Our learning should be Le'ili Nishmaso, should elevate his very special, precious, and holy Nishama. Okay, living with Emunah, we're going to look into a text, a beautiful teaching, a beautiful Torah from Avicha Meyer, relevant to all year round, but particularly relevant. Hopefully, Mashiach will come today if he doesn't, and we meet tonight for Eicha and tomorrow for Kinos. Somebody told me this morning, they said, are you introducing the keynote tomorrow? I said, yes. They said, you're the keynote speaker. I said, oh. yeah, that was Tishabov worthy humor. That's how bad that was. So I want to start as we often do before we dive into the Torah, I want to share with you. I, I have a pile of correspondence emails. I'm so grateful to each and every person who writes the Ramuna story. I read them all, I save them all, and many I'm able to share. And maybe one day we'll compile them all into a book because they seem to be the most compelling. And I think they're also, and this is a very instructive, as much as we learn in theory and hypothetically and we learn academically and we know truths about emuna, and it's important to see the makoros, to see the sources and to dive in and tap into our Masora, our tradition, and to understand where we come from in our view of, of, of emuna. But in the end of the day, arguably the most powerful thing to inspire our emuna is to latch on and connect to others. We've told many times the idea, when you have no connection, when your Wi-Fi is down and you have no data, you find somebody who is connected and you turn them into a hotspot. So are these emails that we share, they are our hotspots. When we hear these emails and people who are in practice putting Amuna into real life situations, not just Wednesday morning, not just a WhatsApp group, not just an email or not just a newsletter, but in real life, practical, often difficult situations. See, I started speaking about Wi-Fi and the internet went down. Here we go, I think it's back, I think. I got the Comcast, anyone get the Comcast alert today? They're doing work in our area, it'll be in and out all day. So I said a little tefillah. I said, Hashem, we have a couple of shirim we have to give. Don't let Comcast get in the way. If you want it to stream, it'll stream. If you don't, it won't. Ultimately, it is all up to the Rebona Shalom. As always, it's all up to Hashem. So I want to begin with an email that all of them are so inspiring. All of them are our hotspots that we connect to Hashem through. But this is an email I told you my favorite type which is not the one where it all works out perfectly in the end, but the people who have Amuna, even when it seems not to. Rabbi, as you know, flying on the East Coast has become a complicated matter. Last Shabbos, we were meant to fly to Philly for a reunion of the husband's yeshiva. Our flight boarded on time 11.30 a.m. with three kids in tow, including a four-month-old, and excitement of an away Shabbos. We boarded with alacrity. After final boarding, we were told by the captain that weather had entered the 30,000-foot roadway, and we would be delayed three hours. 
While I know we should not be flying Erev Shabbos, landing 3 p.m. was much different than potentially landing at 6 p.m. Everyone had to exit the plane. We began discussing our options. Should we all go home? Only my husband would go to the yeshiva reunion. We decided to delay less than two hours, we'd all go. Less than three hours, only my husband would travel. If longer, we would go home. We davened. Success, we were told. After two hours, we could board again. The weather in D.C. had cleared. Our family of five, Kenai Nahara, boarded the plane a second time. However, however, now lightning in Florida kept the flight on the ground. After 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, we were getting close to the three-hour delay and our trigger point to go home. Our four-month-old was developing a rash on his face and getting fussy. Mother's instinct kicked in. I asked the flight attendant if we could exit the flight. Concerns over weather and potential other issues would keep us in the airport over Shabbos started racing in my mind. They let us leave the aircraft through the locked doors. We canceled our tickets, headed to baggage claim to file claims for our, trip, our trapped baggage. While there, we were told the plane got clearance to leave two minutes after we exited the plane. There are no coincidences. Hashem did not want us on that plane. Baruch Hashem, everyone on the plane landed safely three hours after takeoff. Everyone was very upset. We were excited to see our friends gain chizik from our rebbe and be recharged. However, it's clear we need to live with Emunah that Hashem did not want us on that plane. Turns out our baby got sick. The mother's instinct was correct. We have some good stories for our kids who tell the story as we got on the plane, then off the plane, then on the plane, then off the plane, then the baggage, it's on the plane. Our baggage has been returned, including a broken duna, which might have getting replaced. Thank you for the reminder to turn the page. Things do not always happen as planned, but there are no coincidences. Appreciate the message and the shiurim. So again, why do I love emails like that? Because as you're reading it, you're expecting to hear, and then someone who had a private plane said, do you want to jump on board? I'll take you right to your, and it was perfect, right? Or then it took off and, and there was a, a wind to our back and we got there faster than ever and we were there early and everything worked out and thank you, Hashem. Right, you read the email and you read the typical Amuna story and not to challenge other Amuna newsletters and other Amuna groups where every Amuna story is and it was amazing and it all worked out and everyone was happily ever after. I don't think that's what Amuna is. Amuna is you're really disappointed. You were excited, you counted down, you marked your calendar, your kids were enthusiastic. You made the effort, you packed your bags, you got to the airport, you're sitting on the plane, it's going to be an incredible Shabbos, and it didn't work out. Not only did it not work out, now you second-guess yourself. Why did we get off the plane? It left two minutes after we got off the plane. We could have and would have made it on time. You sit and you second-guess yourself. Unless you have Amuna. If you have Amuna and Bitachon, if you practice it, if you work out that muscle, if it's how you experience everything in your life, then you say, we weren't meant to be there the Shabbos. We weren't meant to be on that plane. It wasn't meant to work out. Maybe that's because the child who was sick needed to be home. Maybe there's some other reason that she and we will never know, but it wasn't what was meant to be. It wasn't what was meant to be. So one lesson of Amuna that we keep coming back to and we will continue to over and over, and I read all of them and I'll try to share all of them, but the emails that have the not happy ending make it to the top of the pile, even though they don't get the most views, right? They're not the most viral. It's the story, oh, it all worked out perfectly, and then that, those, go, those go viral. These stories, what goes viral about? And then it was a disappointment and a failure and it didn't work out. But hey, everything's from Hashem. Those don't go viral, but that's real. And that's real in our lives. When we will need to dip in and tap into Amuna, it's not when it all works out. It's when it's frustrating and disappointing and hurtful and painful. That's when we need to dig deep and find that, that Amuna to be able to persevere nonetheless. And there are emails I got like that. Somebody, unfortunately, whose child is sick, they went to the hospital and they were sent home, but the child continued to have pain, and now they're back in the hospital. The doctors don't know what's wrong with my daughter. She was discharged on Thursday night. Within a few hours of coming home, it was clear the pain had not subsided. We debated going back. 
We went back. We're still in the hospital. I my daughter's current treatment plan works. There was a lot of back and forth regarding different imaging that was done initially, certain medication that was given when medication was stopped, specific areas that should have been examined more and so on. It seems a lot could have dealt with in the first few days that we were admitted last week is a bit hard to swallow. It seems some things were overlooked since my daughter is being treated at one of the top five hospitals in the world. But I think it's a lesson for us all. I believe that Hashem will send her a Fushlema on his time frame, not ours. We can go to top medical centers, consult with top doctors, but it's not up to us what the outcome will be and when it will happen. For now, we dive in my daughter's Yeshua will come soon, that she will be back in camp with her friends and doing what other four-year-olds do. With immense gratitude for your shiurim, so-and-so. Another email. Not, and then it was perfect and it happened to be and we got there in time and they solved the problem and it was really better because we averted a bigger problem. No, it's, it's she's out of camp and they can't figure out why. And we're at the top hospital because that's what Jews do. They make their way to the top hospital. We had a young lady from our community, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Hashem should shower her with bracha and with simchas and with nachas and with children. Baruch Hashem, she's well and healthy and married. But she unfortunately went through Yana Machla. She was sick and she was in Sloan Kettering and I went several times to visit her. And I, I couldn't understand why there were so many from people on this floor. And I asked somebody there, like, do Orthodox Jews, Jewish children disproportionately get cancer? And they said, no but other children just go to their local hospital, Orthodox children, their fa family finds a way to Sloan Kettering. Meaning, Jews are not satisfied with the local hospital, with the local referral, with the local doctor, not that there's anything wrong with the local doctor or the local hospital, but Jews always find a connection and a way in to the best. Gotta go to the best. You ever hear Jackie Mason, all of us shalom, so routine. My doctor is so good, you can never see him, you can't get in. He's so good, it's impossible, the waiting list is forever. That's how good he is, I only want to go to a doctor you can't see. He's got a whole routine, much better than the way I just said it on Erev Tishabov. But, and the author of this email says, top five hospital in the world, top doctor. But you know what? It doesn't happen in our time, it happens on Hashem's. It doesn't happen because we got into the best place. It happens in the place where Hashem decides. The outcome is all Hashem. It's not up to us. And when it will happen, we continue to daven and we add our tefillos that her daughter, the author of this email, should have a Yeshua. I'll read one last one and then we'll dive into the text together. Baruch Hashem, there are so many. And even if you wrote a few weeks ago, keep them coming. They will make their way. This is an Amuna story. This past year has been filled with challenges. I keep pushing through each day. As I say often, when people ask how I am, my feet are down and my head is up, so I'm good, Baruch Hashem. If your feet are down and your head is up, if you're vertical, if you're walking, if you're alive, you're good. You're good. I got a concussion from a car accident in November. I've been suffering since. I went to physical therapy, talk therapy, acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, exercise, acupuncture. It's been a challenge. And the internet's down again. At the same time, it's all Hashem's plan. Are you coming back? There you are. At the same time, we had a major water leak in the house as uh, where I had to walk my mom up and down the stairs for her daily shower. She lives with us. There's no hot water downstairs. It's quite a challenge. And she goes through all the many challenges. During this time, I suffered a concussion. I had terrible insomnia, headaches, neck pain, arm pain, back pain. My insomnia did not allow me to sleep. I was down to sleep four hours a night. It was almost unbearable. But I kept doing the therapies, following all the directions. One of the directions to help decrease my anxiety is to do morning sunlight grounding and breathing. This is very interesting, I never heard this, but I, I, I buy it. I talk to Hashem all day long in my own language, asking Hashem for help, thanking Hashem, praising Hashem, asking Hashem for guidance, asking for strength to take care of my family, keep us healthy, happy, safe, and successful. I know my challenges are from Hashem, but it's quite difficult. I trudge through each day wondering if I'm on the right path with all my struggles and wondering, is Hashem with me? And here's the Amuna story part. Ready? 
This is her Amuna story part. And Comcast is not cooperating today, but the audio will work. And people can find it there. I took a chair to my front yard in this past Shabbos morning so I could put my feet to the ground without shoes and socks to do grounding, to sit and meditate, to drink my tea, trying to relax and bring my anxiety level down. I was meditating, expanding my vision, concentrating on the big tree, concentrating on nature in the front yard, talking to Hashem, wondering, is he out there? Is he listening? Does he hear me? And out of the blue, with no breeze, a small leaf fell from the tree and landed on my foot to remind me, yes, Hashem is listening and he's here with me. My wow moment. Small moments that allow us humans to know that Hashem is actually with us, next to us, holding our hand and holding us up. So our feet are down and our heads are up and that we're on the right path, Baruch Hashem. So this is another great email because the author of this email basically chose to interpret a leaf on her foot that many others would have shaken their foot and gross and get that off of me. Instead, she said, here I am sitting and wondering, Hashem, do you hear me? Do I matter? Are you out there? Are you listening? And with no wind and no rustle, and not fall leaves falling in Boca Raton in July, a leaf fell on her foot that she was using to ground, to feel connected, and she felt connected to Hashem. Our antenna has to be up. We have to receive the signal. We have to be listening when Hashem is in fact broadcasting to us. Are we willing to take in the message? Which brings us to what we're going to learn today. You have it in front of you. There were sheets that are being passed around. We caffeinate with kavana every day, but on Erev Tisha B'av you caffeinate with extra kavana for the days that you can't caffeinate with kavana. He reminds us our entire life, our entire essence, our entire mission, our entire purpose, and our entire lifestyle is to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu down to connect with Shechina and to make this world be a place that is a conduit where there is a high stream, a fast, high-speed stream of Hashem in this world. The Hainu, to those who are watching, if it's going in and out, you'll be able to find it later, audio, if you want to just listen online. Sorry, on behalf of Comcast, I apologize. The Hainu legaloshan hagas habriya lo nimsur la'afechad el Hashem yizbarach ba'atzmo manig u'mashbiya shezenek r'shechina. I just want to tell you, Emuna in practice, before we did the shir together, before we had our support group together, I would be calm and cool right now on the outside to you, but inside infuriated. I'd be angry at our IT people, I'd be angry at Comcast, I'd be angry at the shul, I'd be angry at, like, why? I give a shir every Wednesday, don't you know? Why is it down? Why didn't we create a backup? Why don't we have a hotspot? Why don't we, it's in and out, this is terrible, it's a disaster. But now, it's nothing. It is what it is. It is what's meant to be. We didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing we could have done different or better. It's the usual setup. The usual system, it's the way it's meant to be. I, why am I telling you that? Because I can't endorse strongly enough for your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, work on Amuna. It is the answer. For many, they need other answers to complement it with it, therapy, medication, and the like. But it is the answer. It is part of the answer. It is the answer for everybody to whatever you're going through in life to say, we got off the plane, we're disappointed, we missed the Shabbos, that Hashem is listening. He is out there and he is holding me up. That we may be in the best hospital, but it's not about where we get into and how we use our protexia. It's up to Hashem. And when the internet comes in and out, that's what's meant to be. It's the way it is. It's what's meant to be. Back to our regular schedule text. HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself runs the world. It's his world. 
We work for him, he doesn't work for us. It's his world. He's in charge, he's in control. Shezen nikra shechina. Shechina is milashon shachin. A shachin is a neighbor. A neighbor is nearby, a neighbor is accessible, a neighbor is close, a neighbor there's a casual relationship with. Hashem the shechina is our neighbor. He's not someone we study about at a yomi yomi yun. We don't go to some seminar to see all the proof or evidence of his existence. He's not academic, he's not theoretical, he's not far away, he's not far apart. Baruch Hu, the Shechin is our Shachin. He's right there. He lends a listening ear when we need to talk, and he gives us Chizuk when we need support, and he is the solution to any problem. He is our neighbor, he's our Shechina, he's our Shachin. This is the Chiddush of Amuna, says Ravitcha Meyer. He said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is running the entire world. He's in charge of everything. He is the creator. But he didn't create and move on. He didn't create and graduate. He created and he remains intimately involved in everyone, in every leaf. In every leaf, if it falls and where it falls and when it falls and what message it's communicating through falling, it's all, it's all the Ribbon Shalom. He is connected with our actions, our thoughts, and our speech. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is taking all of that in, and He's connected with it all, and He's aware of it all. And I think I gave you this metaphor, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, when I told you when I was in Tennessee, and I turned on Waze, and it worked. And you go to Israel, and you turn on Waze, and it works. And you can go to Afghanistan, I don't know if that's true, and Costa Rica, and South America, and South Africa, and you turn on Waze, and it works. And you say, what do you mean? There are billions of people who are all connected to this one computer that's telling you where you are and where there's traffic and how to go and how to reroute. And the answer is yes. And if a computer can simultaneously be aware of and mindful and directing and routing billions of people, then Lahavdil, the Ribonashlam, the Melch Malchayam Lachem, the King of Kings, can be aware of every human being, where they are, how to reroute them, how to get them where they're meant to be in their destination, can be inside their head and inside their liver and inside their heart and inside their life. Kodesh Baruch Hu knows and is aware and is involved in every aspect. If ChatGBT can simultaneously respond to a billion people asking it to integrate everything on the internet and write a good letter to your kid in camp so you don't have to, not saying anybody did that, just saying. I don't know what I'm saying, but so if it, could answer, if it could help a billion people write a letter to their kid in camp simultaneously, then Hashem, He can hear all of us. He knows all of us. He's involved in all of us. And it's not Hashem has some generic program. He's tapered, He's individualized. It is unique and distinct to each and every one of us separately. Because I just flexed and I said, the internet's not bothering me, Hashem is like, okay, let's up this. I'm going to make a really high shrill noise in the background. And let's see if you could keep your cool, Goldberg. Let's see if you're just going to stay calm and say, that's also part of the plan. So he's going to just, the test is just going to keep getting harder. Alavai, this should be the hardest test that we face. Anyway, so Hashem is involved in everything. So what's our job? What's our mission? Our mission is laharos lagal shalshem isbarch nimtza umashgiach vanagah shalolam vachayus vashefa yishalshem isbarch baatzmo lefim asenu. Our tafkid, our mission, our purpose, our mandate, why we are here, is to use the app called Hashem. You know, there's somebody who sometimes gives me rides to the airport, and whenever we get in the car, I say, "Turn on ways." He says, "Why? I know the best way to get to the airport." And this hour, this is the traffic, so I go this way and I take that way. 
and I say to the person, you're brilliant, and you have experience, and you know roads, and you know geography, but you don't see from the sky from a satellite, you don't know where the accidents are, you don't know where the traffic picked up, you don't know where the construction is taking place, and you don't know where the police are hiding. So you have an app, you have a gift from Hashem. Why wouldn't you use it and utilize it and let it enhance your life and let it remove all your anxiety and worry because it's going to tell you approximately what time you're going to get there. I was recently with somebody, Baruch Hashem, can I I'm not ranking on this or knocking this at all, but they don't have a smartphone. So when we left a meeting together, he said, could you tell me how do I get back to 95? I said, wouldn't it be amazing if there was an app that would just, you'd put in the address and it would tell you every turn to make and what you could do? Like, wouldn't it be incredible if Hashem gave you the gift of living in a time that you'd be able to access? I'm not knocking on somebody who doesn't utilize, although there are filtered devices and smartphones that allow ways to. I'm not knocking on it. I'm just saying, Emuna is an app. And there are people who didn't download it. So they're going through life and they don't know how to navigate. They don't know where to go. They're sitting in traffic. They're losing their cool. They're losing their mind because the internet's in and out and because somebody's playing some high-pitched noise in the background. So they're absolutely losing their mind because they don't have the app called Amuna and they didn't download it. So they don't know how to get where they're meant to go. They don't know how to take the rest route, best route. They don't know how to get rerouted. Our tafkid, our mission, our purpose, our mandate is shechina, to bring Hashem down to this world, to turn on the app and to follow its direction, and to listen to him talking to us, and to his message, and to follow his navigation. The Yid, the Jewish soul, were meant to reveal Hashem's presence in this world. One can go through this world without the app. And if you do, you're trying to navigate it on your own. There's no God, I don't know if there's a God, I don't believe in God, I don't talk to God. I don't listen to God talking to me, and I don't invite or welcome His navigation. That's the majority of the world, and that's more of the world. Maybe we'll talk about that tonight when we introduce Eicha, is how more godless the world is becoming. You talk about Shekhinah Begalos, you talk about the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, you talk about a Churban. The polls and the surveys show fewer and fewer people believe in God. It's a godless world. You see that in people's stated beliefs, and you see it demonstrated in their behavior and dress, and conduct, and definitions, and lives, and lifestyles, it is increasingly a godless world. And the more it's a godless world, the more our job, the more important our job is to reinsert God, to talk about God, and to inspire people about God, and to reveal God. That He alone is in charge of everything. When a child gets better, and if you'll make your flight, and there is no one and nothing but him even down here in this world. I think there are doctors and lawyers and accountants and banks. I think there's an internet. I think there are other drivers and cars and pilots and planes. I think that because I'm only looking on the surface. I'm only looking at the superficial. But if I can get into the panemius, into the guts of this world, then also down here, all that's a matrix, all that's an illusion. But really, all there is, all there is, the Ribbon Shalom. He's found in everything, but he's hidden. He's in my phone, but I got to open the app. Kishbarch is in the world, but I have to open the app called Amunah and Bitachon. I have to put on those glasses in order to be able to see him. And in order to reveal this truth to the world, in order to teach and preach, in order to demonstrate, in order to live, in order to inspire, in order to repair and redeem this world, then we need to avoid us. This is what it's all about. We are an increasingly godless world. We want to make it a godly world. Mashiach will come when we, when we reintroduce God to the world. When we reintroduce talking about Him and living Him 
and bringing him back to this world. So we have two avodas. Number one, we have to be worthy and virtuous and righteous. And we have to have the merits that Hashem will act in a way with this world where He reveals and shows His hand. If we're worthy, if we prove worthy, we'll talk about that also tonight and tomorrow morning. What does it mean to prove worthy? How do we turn things around? What is He waiting for? If we are worthy, He'll reveal Himself more and more. If we are worthy, He will show Himself more and more. When we act with nobility and with virtue and with righteousness, when we follow Hashem's moral code and ethical code, when we demonstrate to the world Torah and mitzvos, you, based on the mores of the time, you interpret the world this way, not us. We have the authoritative work called Torah. We have Hashem's diary. We have Hashem's law. And He says, this is the truth of the world. We believe it unapologetically, not defensively, sensitively, but this is what we believe and we stand up for it. And we demonstrate it through Torah and mitzvahs. Not just the mitzvahs of shofar and tefillin and candle lighting and kashras and Shabbos, all unbelievably important, but as we count towards Tisha B'Av tonight, the Navi says, The Navi says, What do I need all your shuckling and all your davening and all your talim zugging if you don't know how to treat other people, my other children? Torah and mitzvahs is not just our righteousness vis-a-vis our relationship between us and Hashem, as we studied last week. If you mistreat someone's children, you're mistreating them. And Hashem says the barometer is, how do you treat my other children? So those are also mitzvahs, by the way. Honesty and integrity and your word being your bond and following through on your promise and being charitable and fighting for justice, and taking care of the widow and orphan, and making sure nobody's marginalized or neglected or feeling invisible. Those are all mitzvahs in which we reveal Hashem. Our tzalem elokim, our godliness is revealed when we see and connect to the tzalem elokim in others. That too is how we show Hashem in this world. And we show this world why we're here, what we're meant to do. It's not about our happiness. It's not about our pleasure. We live not for happiness. We live for holiness. Turns out when you live for holiness, you know what you find? A whole lot of happiness. And when you live for happiness, you know what you find? A whole lot of misery. When you live for holiness, you end up being happy. When you live for happiness, you end up being miserable. Our job is to live for holiness. What does it mean to be holy? Holy means you hold the door and you say please and thank you. Holy means your word is your bond and you have honesty and integrity. Holy means you're charitable and you stand up and fight for justice. Holy means that you keep Shabbos and you spend time with your family and with Hashem. Holy means you eat in a holy way, not in a hedonistic way where you dive into that food indiscriminately. Holy means that you dive in like you mean it. Holy means that if you said someone, you'd be somewhere on time, you're on time. Holy means you're careful with your thought and your speech, and your action. So when we are godly, we reveal God to this world. When a person meets a Jew, like the Gemara in Yuma says, when they meet a religious Jew, when they meet a Torah-observant Jew, and that Torah-observant Jew stands out in their conduct, in their courtesy, in their caring for others, they say, wow, I want a piece of this God. I want to come to know this God. 
This God gave your family this harmony, your family this happiness, your family this capacity to live with humility and to be happy with what you have. The rest of the world craves more and more and more and more. It's never enough. And you demonstrate that you're happy with what you have. The rest of the world is arrogant and driven by ego and wants to be an influencer. And you humbly go through life. Wow, I want a piece of that. I want the happiness that you have through holiness. Teach me. Show me. Let me have a connection to that God. So how does Hashem, how is He revealed? How is He brought down to this world? Through us and through our actions. That the world is driven by Him. So when you get off the plane and the, and the uh, what are they called now, flight attendant says, I'm so sorry it didn't work out and we were delayed and you had to get off and you say, it's okay. It's all from God. It's what God wanted. We weren't meant to be on this plane. And the flight attendant says, you mean you're not going to curse us? You're not going to yell at us and scream at us? You're not going to blame us? You're not going to demand a million miles and upgrades and status from this? And you say, no. I mean, I'll take the miles, but no. <laughs> it's all from God. This was God's plan. This is where I was meant to be. And the flight attendant says, wow, you know, I need to rethink about whether there's a God. Because if believing in God made you just get off kindly and be patient and calm with us, then I want a piece of that God. I want a piece of that God. So how do we repair this world and redeem this world? And how do we promote the brand of Hashem in this world? By living with Hashem, by being His ambassador and His agent, by expressing our Tzalem Elohim. So that's number one, Torah and mitzvahs. And when they say, would you like this? And you say, no, I'm sorry, I keep kosher. So I regulate my diet, trying to live holy by being careful with what I eat. Or you're at a business meeting and you say, give me one moment because I have to caffeinate with kavana. I have to make a bracha. Just give me one moment. Thank you, Hashem, for everything that went into this cup of coffee and the ambience with which I drink it. And I'm so grateful even for the little things. Thank you, Hashem. And you make your bracha. And the person says, wow. You don't just take that for granted, your cup of coffee? You don't just live through life feeling entitled to everything the world has to serve you? You stopped with humility and you said, thank you for a cup of coffee. You made a bracha, a blessing. Wow. Wow. That's unbelievable. Now, I owe someone an apology because a couple weeks ago, I told you when I was in Tennessee, the parking young girl said, have a blessed day, and I loved it. Yesterday, where was I? Someone said, I said, have a great day. And they said, have a blessed day. So even in Boca Raton, Florida, people know how to say have a blessed day too. <laughs> we got we to bring that. Have a blessed day. What a great greeting. Have a blessed day. Isn't that a great greeting? Vishenis, number two, says Ravich Amar, Maseinu Atzman Tzach We've got to reveal and we've got to scream from the rooftops. We've got to take out billboards. We've got to make God go viral. It's not just that you're having a business meeting with a non-Jew. It's not just you're sitting with a non-observant Jew. You could be sitting with another observant Jew and the other observant Jew makes a bracha too, but they swallow the bracha faster than they drink the coffee. And you're going to demonstrate, no. When we make a bracha, we caffeinate with kavana. Shakol nieh bidvaro. Baruch Hashem. Brecha, everything flows from you, Hashem. King of the universe. You're the king, you're in charge of everything. And I surrender to you. And shakol, everything, nieh, comes with your word. Wow. Everything, Hashem. It's all you. It's all your word. So when we make a bracha and we do it with kavana, we are demonstrating godliness. We're bringing God into the equation. We're showing food is not just about my pleasure and my happiness and my joy. Food is about my finding life. 
the life source. And who's the source of all life? God. I'm connecting to God. I'm imbibing God. I'm swallowing a piece of God when I drink that coffee, when I make the bracha beforehand. When a Jew fulfills mitzvahs, he's screaming that Hashem's in charge, Hashem's in control. Why am I putting on tefillin? Why am I wearing the tefillin? Years ago, I spoke to a group of teenagers and I talked about how few of them were taking their tefillin home on Sundays from school and they weren't even putting on tefillin. How could it be? I learned the tshuva from Rav Oshri who talked about an 11-year-old in the Kovna ghetto who went to him and asked him a shayla. He said, the likelihood is I'm never making it to my bar mitzvah. Surely I will be killed before my bar mitzvah. I can't imagine going to my death without ever having worn tefillin. Can I wear tefillin as of 11 years old, 12 years old? If I'm careful with them and I'm mindful while I wear them and I wear them properly. And Ravoshi writes a whole tshuva. He has a whole response. Can that young man wear tefillin even though he's well before his bar mitzvah? The answer is fascinating, but it pales in comparison to the question. What's mind-boggling is the question. Here was an 11, 12-year-old in the Kovna ghetto watching everyone around him who were deported together, suffering. People being murdered, bodies lying in the street, corpses rotting. And he doesn't say, there's no God and I'm not interested and I'm never wearing tefillin. Oh. Oh. What does he say? What does he say? He says, I can't imagine not wearing tefillin. And I turned to these boys and I said, that kid couldn't imagine not wearing tefillin. He had to wear them in the hardest circumstances. You got to bring your tefillin home. How could you not put on tefillin on Sundays? And you know what one of the boys said to me? Why should I wear tefillin? They don't do anything for me. Doesn't do anything for me. Wrapping, strapping this around my arm doesn't do anything for me. I only do things that do something for me. So when I enjoy the triple latte, caramel, grande, uh, Starbucks, that I do. Xbox, that I do. Vacation, that I do. Wrapping the tefillin doesn't do anything for me. So we had a whole discussion. Why should we do things that don't do anything for us? Why is it important to do things even when they don't do anything for us? So that's what Richard Meyer says. Why am I putting on tefillin? What do you mean? Hashem is the creator of the entire universe, is in charge of everything, who also, by the way, programmed us to know what's best for us. He's commanded me, put on tefillin, and it'll give him nachas ruach. Just like when a parent says to a child, could you, take out the, could you do this? And the child says, that doesn't make sense, and I don't want to do it, and why do I have to? And you say, look, we could debate, I could explain, but in the end of the day, I'm your parent, I love you. If you love me and want to give me nachas, do it because I asked. So Kodesh Baruch Hu says, if you love me and want to give me nachas ruach, do it because I asked whether it does something for you or not. And when we say, okay, I'm all in. You say jump and I say how I. And when that is our life and our lifestyle, we are bringing God down into this world. We are demonstrating, we are showing, we are revealing Hashem. So when we get off the plane and we yell and we scream at the flight attendant, when we're in the hospital and we yell and scream, you're one of the top five hospitals, how come you haven't made my daughter better? When the internet's not working, we go crazy at Comcast and our IT department, and we go crazy at our staff, and we say, how could you not have that ready? How could that have happened? When we live a life in that way, where we don't pay attention when we make a shock, or we don't put on tefillin because it doesn't do anything for us, you know what we're doing? We're pushing God into the corner. We're putting God under the bed. We're making God go underground. We're hiding God more and more. and more. We're pushing God into gullus. We're putting Hashem into exile more and more. We're part of the problem, not the solution. But we're meant to be the solution. We are the solution. We're meant to reveal the Shekhinah. 
We're meant to bring him down. We're meant to show him by having kavana when we make a bracha. And by having calm, cool, and collect when we get off the plane and you speak to the flight attendant. By telling the hospital we know you did the best you can, we're praying on his time when he's ready that he'll bring a full refuah a full recovery. When we put on tefillin, even when it doesn't do anything for us that day or in that moment. In all those moments, well, then we're doing our job, our mission, our mandate. We are revealing Hashem's hand. We're bringing him down. Our job is to open the Amuna app. Use ways. It's there. Don't get lost. Don't think you know better. Don't grow frustrated. Open the app. It's there. There's an app called Amuna. There's not actually an app called Amuna. Maybe we should make one. But there's a life called Amuna, a virtual app called Amuna. Open it. It's the navigation. It's the source of calm. It's the source of holiness and happiness and joy. Open that app and create a connection between what's down here and what's up there. Bring Hashem, give Madira Batachtonim. Let Hashem be found here. Help His brand, help His name, help people feel connected. Help people want to learn more and grow closer. You say, have a blessed day? Oh, what does that mean? I never heard that greeting. I want to think about that. Who gives that blessing? When you do a mitzvah, what you're essentially saying, when you do a mitzvah, what you're implicitly acknowledging is, there's a commander, there's a Hashem. This is His world. I work for Him. This is it. Want Mashiach to come today? You don't want to fast for 25 hours? You don't want your breath to stink tomorrow? You don't want to be exhausted and have a massive migraine headache? You want to bring Mashiach today? Then get out there and reveal Hashem. Then get out there and be the biggest brand ambassador there is for Hashem. Then get out there and be the biggest promoter. I'm not saying you have to stand on the corner and spin one of those signs on your head that says there's a Hashem. I'm saying do the ordinary, but in an extraordinary way. Make a bracha, but with kavana. Interact with people, but become cool and collect. Talk about Hashem, please God, thank God, with God's help, this is God's plan. Demonstrate godliness. And that is the greatest way to promote, the greatest way to be His brand ambassador, the greatest way to reveal His presence, the greatest way that the next poll they do, how many believe in God? Well, you know, there was a Jew I interacted with and he made, he made me a believer again. She made me a believer again. I saw God through them. I wanted to know God through them. So yeah, I believe, because I saw godliness in another human being. I saw the way they did mitzvahs, even when it didn't do anything for them. I saw the kavanah, the mindfulness, and the presence they had to bring God a presence down here. And therefore, yeah, I believe. Take the cover off Hashem. Open the app called Hashem. Feel Him giving us navigation in this world called Hashem. That's our mission, that's our mandate, and that's how we're going to bring Mashiach. It's good for us. It's good for peace and health and happiness. It's good for us, and it's good for the world. It's how we repair and we redeem the world together. Mashiach will come to a redeemed world. And we won't have to observe Tisha B'Av, we'll all be united in Yerushalayim for the next Emunah year. If not, we'll meet back here at the end of August. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy. Have a meaningful fast.